Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're continuing in our series, Positioned. Say that this morning, Positioned. Say, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. Hallelujah. And you were dead in your offenses in sin, in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This whole uh, section of Scripture, this whole passage is about our legal position once we were saved. And the understanding is this, that Jesus, raised from the dead, ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father in a position of authority and government. That we were seated there with Christ. We, in a position of authority and influence, having been given all spiritual blessings to empower us to achieve this task of influence and spiritual governance. And we talked about for the last two weeks the two effects of this, which were access. You have been given access to every heavenly blessing. You have been given access to the very throne room of God. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And from that seat, you have been given authority. And so we talked about that last week, what it means to walk in the authority of the believer. And this week, I want to talk about the third effect, which is confidence. That we should have confidence and that when we carry the revelation, because you have to understand this this morning, that to understand that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places is not a mental ascent. You've got to have a spiritual revelation of that seating with Christ. It is not enough to know it here, but you've got to know it in your knower that I've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. And when I understand that, when I understand the access and the authority, I have confidence. I have confidence that we are close to God. You know, the thing that that I hear people often say, I feel so far away from God. You've got to have confidence that you have not been removed from His presence. You are close to God. We have to have confidence that we have already It is not something that is going to happen. It is something that has already happened. We have already been given spiritual authority. And that we have access to God and He will hear our prayers. So many times I hear people say, I I don't think God hears me. That is the greatest lie of the enemy. Is that you would have a father who doesn't hear you. Confidence is an inner knowing that we have something we are to do or are involved with. It is a confidence that we have everything we need. And so I want to examine 
the connection of confidence and faith. I want to take a way of looking at this connection, and I want you to see this this morning, that confidence is the pathway to faith. Confidence is the pathway to faith. John chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. John chapter 3, verse 21 and 22 says this, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. I love this. And this is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. Now, why... The confidence. Why why this word? Why is it that confidence that brings this dynamic of whatever we ask, we receive? Of if we ask, he hears us. I think that it is taken for granted some of the conditions that are expressed in these two passages. The first condition of obedience and knowing his will is if our heart does not condemn us. So often... Our heart condemns us, and that's why we feel like we don't hear God, because we haven't dealt with the things in our heart. So if our heart does not condemn us, what does this mean? That means that we may have some unconfessed sin or some obvious rebellion. But if we get rid of those things and do the things that are pleasing in His sight, again, it's about obedience. We have the knowledge, this undergirding of faith, this confidence, knowing that He hears us, is the beginning point of faith. When we know that He hears us, because there is no separation, He tore the veil, He gave us access. When we know that, there is a confidence. There is a confidence. Because you have to understand, there is no faith if we don't have confidence. I think so many times we are in actual denial of our lack of faith because we're not actually confident that He hears us. And so we come before God, as we talked about last week, this begging and this pleading and this constant coming before the Lord, begging Him to do something, it's because we don't actually have confidence that He hears us. But when we have confidence, which is gained by knowing our position in Christ... I want to take a sidestep, if you will, and look at how confidence has grown in our lives. So let's look at, at, for instance, I I was a swimmer at one time in my life. You may not believe that now, hallelujah, but at one time I did swim. And I had confidence in my swimming. I, I was very confident to the point that God had to humble me. And that's why I was no longer a swimmer. But there's a number of things that build confidence. Practice personal development, as I, as I practice over and over, as I do the same thing over and over, it's personal development. Previous things that I've done well in, when, when I would win a, a swim meet or when I would win a, a, a race in swimming, when I would win those things, I could look back and go, I did this to get there. So experience. People's reaction to the game, reputation, You build a reputation, knowledge of what to do, understanding. Those are the four aspects that create confidence. The first one being personal development. 
Without one of them, confidence is undermined. And so it's not just enough to read up about something. There are so many people. You know, we live in this celebrity culture. We think we actually know celebrities because of social media. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day. They could tell you everything about Kim Kardashian. I mean, they knew her birthday. They knew everything about this. I don't even know what she is, an actress or celebrity. Now she's a lawyer or what? I don't know. But they knew everything. Every little detail. To the point they acted like they knew her. I mean, oh yeah, she was doing this. And I'm like, do you have conversations with her? Like, do do like, do you... I'm confused. And yet we're the same way many times in the church. We know all the facts about Jesus. We can tell every story. We could quote scripture. We, we know all the facts. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He, he was crucified on the cross. He was, born, you know, he, was, he was buried and raised on the third day. And we can tell you all the facts. But we don't actually know him. And I think so many times... We have this idea, if I know all the stuff. See, I, I don't if I had to have surgery, I don't want the surgeon who just knows about it. I want the one where they say, yeah, he's done this 1,200 times. When I had surgery in 2021, I picked a doctor. It wasn't his first time doing that surgery. He had completed over 10,000 of these and only had one mess up. And that wasn't even his fault. I had confidence in the track record. I, I, I researched. I, I knew that, that it wasn't just all the knowledge. There was the experience. The experience. See, Christianity requires confidence. The confidence that God will accept you. The confidence that when you pray, He will hear you. The confidence that God will speak to you. The confidence that He will forgive you when you sin. The confidence that He will always allow His presence to go with you. You need confidence. And here that our understanding of our spiritual positioning has much to offer. The first thing that spiritual positioning gives to us is confidence that God will accept and hear us. It is gained because we are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're already seated in a position of acceptance and access. You can't be positioned there without acceptance and access. You've already been accepted. You've already been given access. And it is the privilege of being seated so close to someone As Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, so are you. You are seated with Him in heavenly places. I'm I'm a little bit of a movie buff. How many of you like movies? I I like movies. All the the, the religious spirits went, oh no. (laughs) Now, I have my limitations and I have my boundaries. I'm not going to watch everything, but... How many of you remember the movie Back to the Future? Anyone remember that? Michael J. Fox. One of my favorite movies as a kid. I mean, I wore out that VHS. I would play it over and over and over again. 
And at the opening of, of the first movie, Michael J. Fox was, uh, at, at the premiere, was going to be seated next to Princess Diana. So she was coming to the screening of this movie. The opening night of Back to the Future, he was going to sit next to Princess Diana. He was so nervous that he got drunk before sitting next to her. Yeah, that's a great idea, right? And here was the problem. Because it was Princess Diana, once he was seated, he could not leave his seat. And he could not talk to her unless she spoke to him. Because this was the protocol. Well, here's the deal. All of his drinking had led to an issue that he needed to get up from his seat. And he described it as the most painful two hours he had ever experienced. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because here's the deal. We act as though we've not been invited to sit. And we act as though we need to do all these things to be comfortable enough to be in the presence of God. And we do all these things and we get uncomfortable. And thank God we don't have that protocol when it comes to the Father. We have been given access to speak to Him at any time. And the only reason you need to leave His presence is if you choose to. You've already been given the seat. You already have access. It doesn't need to be a painful thing to be seated next to the Father. It doesn't need to be this laborious thing. It doesn't need to be this thing where you've got to do all these things. You've already been given access. And what a tragic bondage that many people live under when they believe that their protocol is they can't talk unless they've been spoken to. They can't do anything unless precipitated by God. So many people have lived under this bondage, especially in the charismatic world, the Pentecostal world, where we have so lived with this idea, unless I have a word from the Lord, I can't move. You've got a word from the Lord. It's the living word. It's the scripture. You've got a word. I live and move and have my being in him. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Now, listen, I understand the importance of living by a fresh word of the Lord, making big decisions without a fresh word. But sometimes you just need to move. You don't need a word of the Lord to share the gospel with someone. You don't need a word of the Lord to pray for the sick. You don't need to know if they're going to get healed when you pray because we have this confidence that whatever I pray for, he hears. I've already been given access. So when I pray, I have confidence that he hears me when I pray. I don't need a rhema word. I've got the logos word. I've got the established word that says by his stripes, you were healed. I don't need a prophetic word that you're going to get healed because I've already got a word that is prophetic in nature, that is living and active and breathing and sharper than any double-edged sword. I don't need another rhema word. I've got a logos word and I'm going to move by the word of God because I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places and I have access to every spiritual blessing and he's given me authority in the earth realm because I'm seated with him in the heavenly realm. I'm preaching better than some of you are responding this morning. Hallelujah. Our spiritual positioning gives us the confidence of knowing God personally, of being able to talk to Him any time of the day or night. You better believe there are times where I'm probably, you know, I'm, th I'm thankful God doesn't get annoyed, right? Do you ever have those times where someone just keeps talking and talking and talking and talking and, ta and you're like, 
10 uh-huh and yeahs later. Oh, wow, yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, yeah, wow, okay. I'm sure if God was in the flesh, that's how he'd get with me. Because many times I'm like, God, this is da-da-da-da-da, and this person, and blah-blah-blah, and this situation, blah-blah-blah, and then da-da. And sometimes I just, I'm like, God, I'm going to make it easier on you. Because it's easier just to pray in tongues than try to use my English, because then I just get annoyed at what I'm praying about. And so it's just praying the Spirit, let the Spirit give utterance, because I just don't know what else to pray. And then God's like, oh, that's beautiful. But see, that's the thing, is that we don't have that protocol that keeps us in bondage. We have access. And we have confidence. Confidence is gained by those four things. The first one, personal development. That's the first key, personal development. Deal with the negative heart issues. The issue that we talk about the most is the issue we haven't dealt with. That's a real good clue. If there's a person that you're always talking about, they don't have an issue with you. You've got an issue with them. You need to deal with it. The thing that's coming out of your mouth all the time I'll tell you what mine is. You want to hear what mine is? I'm going to be vulnerable. Stress. I'm so overwhelmed. Pastor Anna has been keeping me accountable. Jacob, stop it. You're always saying you're so overwhelmed. You're always saying you're so stressed. Stop it. Out of the mouth heart, the heart speaks, right? So out of our mouth comes an outer reality of an inner truth that we've believed. If I'm always talking about, well, I'm so afraid. You've got a spirit of fear. You need to deal with it. What is the source of it? Begin to ask the Lord. Lord, where did I agree with the spirit of fear? Where did I allow fear to start ruling my life? I'm always sick. Well, when when did you allow sickness to start ruling your life? Where did you come into agreement with the plan of the enemy? Because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So personal development, deal with the negative heart issues. We need to work on our lives. This is just part of the process. It's part of picking up the cross is letting God deal with the stuff on the inside. Number two, experiences. When you experience a miracle of answered prayer, that is the first instance of knowing your position. It's a revelation. And here's the thing. When we experience a miracle, then the answer becomes our proof by experience that God answers prayer. And you're able to see God move in the area that you prayed about. Here's a perfect example, the finances in the church. I'm often looking at the budget and saying, okay, God, what's the next faith step? What's the next step we need to take? Because you've already done this. You've already done this miracle. You've already paid off $72,000 in debt. Miraculously. Can't even really tell you how it all happened, but it did. We got a little bit of debt to go. But you've already done this. So this, this little, this chump change, that's nothing compared to what you did over here. And that's how we build our faith is the confidence that he's already done this and he's going to do this. See, when we pray, we're praying based on experience. God, you saved me. That's a miracle right there. Some of you getting saved, that's a miracle. Knowing where you came from, knowing your background, knowing what you've gone through, the rescuing power of Jesus, that's a miracle. So based on that alone, you should have no no worries about him answering prayer because you were the answer to someone else's prayer. Your salvation was the answer of someone else's prayer. I can guarantee it. 
may have not been someone in your family, but I, I'll never forget. I was preaching. Where was I? I was over. I was in Australia. That's where I was. I was up on the Gold Coast. And this woman came to the meeting, and she says, "You've been praying for me." No, I haven't. <laughs> what? And she said, "Yeah, I've heard your voice before." She said, "I was in a bar one night, and I heard your voice say, Sally, come home.'" And I went, "You're Sally." I, I said, just like, I mean, every head. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, for three years, God would have me pray for someone named Sally. I'd be at the church and God would say, pray for Sally right now. She's going to take her life. Pray for Sally. And I'm like, who is Sally? And I said, you're Sally. She goes, yeah, I was in a bar. She said, I had a bottle of pills that I was going to crush up and mix into my drink that night. And I was going to end it. I said, well, what brought you to that point? She goes, I don't even remember. Because when he saved me, he wiped away the trauma. She goes, I know that my husband cheated on me with my mom. I know. I mean, she just, she said it like literally the craziness of everything that she had gone through. Her brother had killed her sister. I mean, she just, she goes, I was a lunatic. And she said, I. I heard your voice. She said, I, I thought it was the voice of Jesus. She said, but this is what I heard. Sally, I call you back from the pit. Spirit of death, you cannot have Sally tonight. Sally, you will live and not die, and you will declare the salvation of our God. That's what I was praying. She said, I heard it as clear as a bell. She goes, I jumped up. Out of my bar stool, I threw the pills across the room, I poured the drink on the counter, and I ran out the door, hoping to get hit by a bus, because I thought I was going crazy. And she said, I was walking down the sidewalk, and all I heard is, Sally, I call you back from the pit. You will live and not die and declare the salvation of the Lord. She goes, no one in my family was ever saved. She goes, I don't know anyone in my family who was a Christian. She said, but God used you to call me into the kingdom. So you may have had no one in your family that was a Christian, but someone prayed for you. I can guarantee it. God raised up someone to pray for you. This is the confidence that we have. Miracles are our reference point and our standard to live up to. You need to get that. Miracles are the standard Miracles are a standard. When the enemy comes in, comma, he doesn't come in like a flood. You need to understand. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, I will raise up a standard. When the enemy seeks to destroy your life, when the enemy seeks to tell you that your family's not going to get saved, when the enemy seeks to tell you you're going to die of cancer, when the enemy seeks to tell you when he comes in, comma, like a flood, I will raise up a standard against him. You need to understand there is a standard raising God. There is a God who has done miracles and the standard for your life is miracles. So the standard being raised over you is that I'm a God of miracles and I will raise up a standard. And where the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So anytime you face a problem, you call to God on the basis of previous experiences of answered prayer because God allows experiences to grow you toward faith. 
And when I don't have my own miracle, I find someone else who had a miracle. And I begin to say, God, you are no respecter of persons. If you did it for R.W. Schambach, you'll do it for me. If you did it for Shelly Ferris, you'll do it for me. If you did it for Susanna, you'll do it for me. So you begin to look around the room and you begin to say, God, you rescued their family. God, you healed their daddy. God, you healed that person. God, you delivered that one. God, you provided for them. I'm going to pray based on the miracle that you've already done for them because miracles are the standard by which I live. Hallelujah. The third area is reputation. Reputation. This is an area that is not spoken of much in the church. The Apostle Paul used this concept for leverage. Colossians 1, verses 3 and 4, and then we'll jump down to verse 9. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith. Mm, I love that. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Verse 9, for this reason we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding there. What happened, what would have transpired in the hearts of the church there? They had confidence because one in greater authority and experience than themselves has heard about them. Paul writes to the church And he says, I've heard of your faith and I've prayed for you since. Who's heard of your faith? That's a question. What is your reputation when it comes to faith? It should be that every one of us have people who say, I heard you were a Christian. I heard that when you pray for things, things happen. I had one time there was a um, psychic who used to have a a shop right here on, on Villa Maria. And uh, I would pray and pray, God, I don't want her just to move out. I want her to get saved. See, I think, I think sometimes we, we pray stupid prayers in the church. God, get rid of all the sinners. No! Transform them. Save them. There's a great story I heard a few years ago up in a, a town called Mount Vernon, Texas. That's where Anna's family's from. And there was a bar in town. And the church had prayed that God would close down the bar. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And one day, the bar caught on fire. The church celebrated. God answered our prayer. And the owner of the bar took him to to court. And they said, why are you suing us? It's not our fault. And he said, oh, you publicized it. You prayed. You prayed that my bar would close down. And the judge ruled in favor of the bar. And the judge said this in his closing statements. He goes, never before would I believe that the owner of a bar would have more faith than the church that God answers prayer. I could sit down right there. (laughs) Confidence that when when we pray, He hears us. I think sometimes we pray stupid prayers. I'm just being real. Not, God, don't burn down the bar. God, rescue them, save them, transform them, turn it into a church. I, I don't care what happens. I just want them saved. I don't want them destroyed. Jesus paid much too high a price for humanity. I'd love to see every bar in town turned into a church. We don't have enough churches. 
The reality is, is every person in Bryan College Station got saved, where are you going to put them? We have all these pastors fighting over territory. Get over it. There are plenty of people who need to get saved. Stop fighting over sheep and go get some fish. I mean, really? Greatest miracles taking fish and turning them into sheep. You want more sheep? Go get some fish. I'm going to say that to the equipping church. Fish know how to sheep. No. Sheep know how to fish. <laughs> the opposite might be funnier. Fish know how to sheep. I think that's true. But sheep should know how to fish. And I think we have too much infighting in the church. Oh, that's my sheep. I No, it's Jesus' sheep. They belong to him. I'm just an under-shepherd. I'm not a shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd. I'm just trying to take care of what he asked me to take care of and to help those herding sheep along the way so I can teach them how to fish, so we can go get more fish, so we can have more sheep. That's just Bible terminology. I didn't come up with it. So if you're a fish today, get converted and become a sheep. And if you're a sheep, go get a fishing pole and go catch some fish. It's not even in the notes. But I don't even know what the point was. But point four is understanding. We need understanding. What is understanding? This is what understanding is. This understanding comes through personal study. You need to be a student of the word. I didn't like school. Get over it. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you through the word. Well, I don't know where to start. Start in the book of John. Just read John over and over again until you get it. If you can get one thing out of the Bible, it's the book of John. It's my favorite book for someone who wants to know who Jesus is. Go read the book of John. After you're done with John, go read the book of Mark. Because then you'll understand who Jesus was. And then when you read Mark, you'll understand what he wants you to do. Then once you've read Mark, go read Acts. And then you'll understand what life is really supposed to look like as a believer. Persecution and miracles. But don't read Acts before you read John. Because then you'll be like, I don't want what's in the book of Acts. Because you won't have a revelation of who Jesus is. So go read John first. Wow. I'm preaching to myself. So good. Understanding gives us confidence in our relationship with God. You need confidence in your relationship with God. I got my son to smile over there. This is a successful message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Understanding gives us confidence in our relationship with God. To illustrate, many people have had bad experiences with their fathers. I had bad experience with my father, and then I had experiences I created with my stepfather that became bad because I had bad experiences with my father. So I took all my bad experiences with my father and projected them on my stepfather. When he really wanted to be a good dad, I wouldn't let him because I had these bad experiences. And we do the same thing with God. We have bad experiences with our fathers or men in our life, and all of a sudden we project those on God and go, you're going to treat me how they treated me. And so the result is it's hard to come to grips with the fact that God, our Heavenly Father, loves us. 
because we project all of our feelings about our earthly relationships onto our heavenly father. So we have no confidence that he hears us because perhaps our dad didn't hear us. Perhaps the husband didn't hear us. And, and we do the same thing, perhaps our mom. So we have a really hard time with the Holy Spirit when it comes because of our mother wounds. Well, my mom was controlling, so the Holy Spirit wants to control me. Absolutely, but not in the way that your mom did. And so we have these issues that aren't dealt with, and so we never get understanding of who God is. So it all goes back to that first one of personal development. We got to deal with the heart issues. We got to get some counseling. We got to get some deliverance. We got to get some freedom. Listen, I believe in real counseling. I don't believe in counseling that, that takes you back through all the trauma, makes you relive it time and time again, and you never get free. That's a money-making scheme. Real counseling actually brings freedom. We get to the root of the issue, cast some demons out if they're in there, and then get you free. Real counseling restores you back to the heart of the Father, gets you out of your mess and into his glory. That's what God wants to do in you. Do you get that this morning? When you deal with it, it actually gets you free. And so how can we change our perception? 1 John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. The world won't understand you. See, we, we, I hate this message that we need to become so relevant that we're like them. No. What is relevant is they need him. That is the most relevant message we could ever preach. They need him. Not us. They don't really need us. They need him. And he does the work, the transforming. John 14 and 16. Again, going back to the book of John. You want to get how much the Father loves you? Go read John 14 and John 16. It's all about the Heavenly Father's love for us. It'll transform your life. So we have knowledge, but it may not mean a lot to us in the spirit until the Spirit of God takes that knowledge and gives us personal revelation from the Scripture. And suddenly, we're aware, God loves me. When you get that revelation, y'all, that, that revelation alone is transforming. God loves me. God loves me. I'll never forget, I was preaching in a, in a little town in Southern California, one of my favorite miracles that ever happened happened in that, that place. A guy with no teeth got his teeth back one at a time. It was pretty fun to watch. It was like, I mean, he was, he was gummy. Like, they actually called him Gummy Bear in the church. That was his nickname in the church. <laughs> Sweetest man in the world. But he came out and he said, Preacher, I want my teeth back. That's what he said. Preacher, I want my teeth back. Prayed for him and pop, one tooth popped out. Took two weeks, all of them were back. I don't know why it took two weeks, but it happened. Pastor called me and he said, Hey, Gummy got his teeth back. We don't know what to call him anymore. <laughs> he said, But here's the real cool thing. He has been jumping up and down all the time saying, God loves me. 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 He would go up to people. He actually passed away a couple years later. He, he, I think he was in his 70s when I prayed for him. He would go up to people in the mall from that point on, and he'd say, God loves me, and he loves you too. He would start with, God loves me, God loves you too. Saw so many people come to know the Lord, and he'd tell them the testimony and show them pictures. See, he did it one at a time. He came back. Then he went on to be with the Lord, passed away in his sleep. 
when you catch the revelation that God loves you, despite your background experiences, we can know and sense God's love. However, for the revelation to come, we must first have the knowledge. See, so many people want revelation, but they don't want the knowledge. God builds line upon line, precept upon precept. Revelation will only come when you begin to immerse yourself in knowledge. Knowledge is the foundation upon which revelation is built. People ask me all the time, why do you like academia? Because it gives you knowledge for God to give you revelation. Now, I'm not saying every person has to go to college and get a degree in theology. I have enough for all of us. I'm over-degreed. And I'll probably get another one. But the thing is, without knowledge, you can't have revelation. That's not how it works. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. So if you want revelation, you got to have knowledge. Knowledge is the foundation upon which revelation is built. And so the result is that when we have knowledge, revelation comes and confidence is built. It's the beginning point in which confidence of knowing where we are with God. It's all about position. As I close this morning, when we have confidence of our position, it's all about position. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. When we have that, through our experiences, our knowledge, our reputation, our development, confidence is built. And that's just the beginning point in spiritual positioning. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is the confidence. Whatever we ask, he hears us. Because you're seated with him. I'm already, hey dad, I'm already there, seated with him. I don't have to go find him. Just seated with him. Hey, Dad. Dad, I really need you to move on this one. When we catch that, I'm seated with Christ. Dad, I don't know what to do about this situation, but I'm with you. And I know wherever you are, you're the God of breakthrough. I sit here many nights, right right here, in this spot. And I just look up, Dad. I used to really struggle with calling God Dad. And when I caught the revelation, it's so easy now. Hey, Dad, I need you to move on my behalf. I need you to work this thing out. I don't, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you want to. And I have confidence that you hear me. When we catch that church, it's transformational. What the world needs more than anything else is the revelation that they have a father who hears them. They have a father who loves them. They have an elder brother who died on their behalf. When we catch that, When we catch that, would you stand this morning? Why don't you just put your hand on your heart. Say, Father, I need you to give me the knowledge and revelation of your love that I might have confidence in what you've done and where you've seated me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you're in the room this morning, you've never given your life to Christ, or you're watching by live stream, you've never made that decision, in just a moment, we're gonna pray a prayer together as an entry point into a journey with Jesus. I feel like I know everybody in the room this morning, but I want us to pray this together for those who might be watching who never made that decision. Jesus, I repent of my sin. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you for the price you paid. Today, I choose to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.